Thank you, Ken, and good morning, everybody. Morning, everyone here, and hello to everyone watching this online, whenever you may be watching it. My name is Andrew Bowles. I'm the Senior Minister of St Mark's. I can invite you, if you can, to follow along with uh, the reading, you know, particularly perhaps if you've got an app on your phone that allows you to read, uh, just so you can refer to the story as I talk about it today. So we're continuing today uh, our series, which we began this term looking at uh, the book of Acts, and we've called Go With the Spirit. And the question we're really asking is, what did the early church do, the first church uh, of Jesus' disciples, and what can we learn from them from, for our church today and for our lives as uh, Christian people? And we've seen that uh, the acts of uh, these people really constitute a partnership with God that Jesus uh, initiated them into. And it's based on the fact that Jesus, as we saw at the beginning of Acts, he ascended into heaven to be with God uh, and in his presence and to communicate God's power and God's glory to his people. And to send the, the Holy Spirit of God to be on the earth in a new way among his people. And so everything that happens in the book of Acts actually happens because of this partnership. Uh, Jesus Christ is present, the Holy Spirit is present in, the, in their lives. And so we can understand our own lives in the light of uh, what we learn here. So last week we asked the question of uh, how um, we understand what it means to be filled with the Spirit as these early disciples were. What does it mean to be filled? Particularly when we come to Christ often empty and looking to be filled with something new, healing, salvation, or a new power for living. So we looked at that. Today I'm going to look at uh, a particular question which comes up, I think, if you read the story through, which is we can be struck by what you might call the fearlessness of the apostles in this period, the fearlessness of, of the apostles and the way that they lived and acted as followers of Jesus in a way that seems to us to be very bold, full, full of confidence, particularly for people who were not necessarily confident by birth. And so the question is, where did this uh, confidence come from and what can we learn from it? So that's what we're going to investigate today uh, as we look at this particular story from Acts 4. We're going to look at the whole of the chapter. Um, Ken read a part of it, but it goes on uh, for a bit further. But before we look at that story, let's just talk about fear because that's the topic today. Uh, what is fear? What does it mean uh, to be afraid? It's a big topic, of course. I think that I would describe fear as a response that we have when we confront threat in the world, something that exposes our vulnerability to being harmed. We recognise that we are fragile uh, physically, mentally, emotionally and spiritually. And so things that confront us that can harm us create a response in us, this fear. It's a reminder of our fragility, our limitations. And this fear response, if you actually look at yourself day to day, I find that fear underlies a lot of the responses we have to life when we go out through day to day trying to avoid fear or responding to fear or responding to these signals that we're getting about what's safe and what isn't. Now, what, what causes fear? What are the top fears? Um, there's the old joke um, that, you know, the number one fear people have is public speaking, uh, number two being death. Um, so you must think I'm incredibly afraid at the moment, so, yeah. Um, I am, no. Uh, so... So think, of, so think of some of the things that cause us to be afraid. Some of the main ones that people would come up with are social anxiety. So a lot of, a lot of, a lot of us have fears related to social situations or the way we come across, our fear of uh, 
Yeah, fear of public speaking, fear of new things, fear of meeting people we don't know, of being judged, of being uh, condemned, of all the things that we're worried about when we meet people and, and interact with them. Social anxiety is a big thing. Uh, a lot of us, of course, are afraid of physical danger. So there's a fear of heights, you know, and falling from heights. People have fear of flying. It is actually a very dangerous thing to do when you think about it, but don't think about it too much if you go flying. Um, we have natural fears of threatening creatures that can um, attack us. So, you know, of course, uh, our brain responds automatically if you see a snake on the ground or a spider somewhere, uh, other predators with teeth and claws. Again, don't think about it too much. We, this is Australia. We tend to specialise in those kind of creatures. Uh, so a lot of us have a, are afraid of losing control or not being able to control our environment. So. Uh, being in enclosed spaces and not being able to get out is a big fear that a lot of people have. Uh, fear, we might have fear around sickness and disease, and of course that's a fear that a lot of us have had activated in the last 12 months, of course, and we've been familiar with what that fear is, the fear of something that's going to come in and, and hurt us. And so fear is a big uh, topic, there's lots of areas, and it's got lots of components to it. There is physical reality to fear, the way your body feels, the emotions that come along that, uh, how we think and feel about it, the thoughts that we have about the world and about the, what we're afraid of. Um, and indeed, fear is a spiritual thing, I think, and it's related to our, our overall attitude to life and to God. Now, fear, of course, is a natural thing. It's a normal thing. It's, a, it's actually a normal part of our experience. And in many cases, it's very helpful and very protective of us. Uh, it stops us doing stupid things that are going to hurt us. So it's normal. You know, it's good to be afraid of driving at 200 kilometres down the freeway and what might happen to you. Um, but of course, we know that fear can be debilitating when it gets control of our lives. And fear is also something that comes up uh, in a specific way for Christian people. And one of the things we look at we might confront when we read Acts is that many of the aspects of Christian discipleship, what it means to be a follower of Jesus, can be fear-inducing uh, or confront us with a response uh, that can be fearful. So sharing our faith can be quite a fear-inducing thing for people. It's a social anxiety about what will people think of me if I tell them about believing in Jesus and, uh, and, and want to talk to them about it. Uh, fear of persecution or of losing things or being oppressed or hurt because of our faith is a real thing. Uh, and there's also the fear that um, Jesus might ask us to change things that we don't want to change, and that's a fearful thing as well. So, there are, so there's, a, there's fear that actually comes, or opportunities for fear that comes for being a Christian. So it's good to think about what accounts then for the lack of fear that we see in the apostles um, as they encounter these things. Uh, the boldness and the joyful attitude, actually, which they face things that would make most of us quake in our boots. So if we think about this story, just to uh, go over it again, as Ken read, um, it, this Acts chapter 4, the action flows from this um, controversy that arose around the disciples uh, healing a man who was born lame. And we thought about that story last week and also about their continued preaching of Jesus, which was not popular with the leaders of the time. And so they find themselves, uh, uh, the apostles, confronted by the, uh, the council of the leaders of, the, of Jerusalem uh, and thrown in jail, and this is the first of many times that they end up in jail. Uh, but in that, we see that they were actually very confident and bold in the way they talked. They, they didn't really seem to mind that this was happening, and they continued to do uh, what they thought they should be doing and saying what they thought they should be, uh, should be said. And they were eventually released, and they found this to be very vindicating, went back to, their, to the rest of the Christians uh, that they were with, celebrated, 
um, what Jesus had done. It was a tri- it's actually, Acts 4 is a very triumphant story. It's a victorious story. And it ends with the Holy Spirit coming again on the church in a fresh way. And they're being filled with power and boldness and, and more and more people following Jesus. And it's interesting to compare uh, the main character in the story, Peter, uh, with the character that we see at the end of the Gospels. Of course, Peter was notoriously afraid. Uh, at the Gospels, uh, he denied Jesus three times before the rooster crowed, as we know, in the Easter story. So something changed in this man in about six weeks. And so the question is, what, did, what changed for him? What empowers this behaviour? So I'm going to talk about um, what changed for Peter. Now, the simple answer that you read, which you get when you read the, a story, is in verse 8 where it says, the Holy Spirit filled him and therefore he was able to do this. There's a supernatural power that he gives. Um, I think that's true, of course, but I think it's incomplete in our under- for our understanding as the rest of this story shows. There's more to say than that. And to focus too narrowly on just that aspect, it misses what might be helpful application for us in understanding uh, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? How does, how, does, how does following Jesus change us? So I think there's a deeper answer. And I think that what happens is that in this period now, the apostles of Jesus have access to a new way of living that in itself dissolves the basis of fear in their lives. So they have access to this new way of living. It dissolves the basis of fear in their lives through new knowledge and experience of God. So I think that's what this story shows us. That's actually a big thing happening that's changed their whole life. And we can look at Peter's sermons um, and Luke's narration of this story for clues as to what are what I would call the foundations of their fearlessness. So there's a variety, I think about f- at least five of them in this story. So I'm going to just walk through what we can see actually contributing to the lack of fear that Peter had um, in this particular instance. So firstly, we find, I think, that they are very focused, and Peter is very focused, on the resurrection of the dead and the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. We see in verse 2 that this is the heart of their teaching. This is what they're actually talking about all the time, preaching the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. And so this is the basis of their, of their hope, I think. And what it does, I think, when you think about fear, if you are absolutely convinced of the resurrection from the dead because you have seen your teacher raised from the dead, for them, this undercuts the fear of death the fear of the consequences of death and the fragility that we have as, as people. That whole basis for our limitations and vulnerability has been taken away from them. They are confident that they will rise again, as we sang um, in the beginning of this service. So firstly, yes, the resurrection of the dead actually is one of the foundations of this fear, uh, fearlessness that the apostles had. The second thing is they talk a lot about the power of the name of Jesus. So it's in Jesus' name that they uh, pray for people to be healed. That it's in Jesus' name that they are saved. They are very confident in the name of their Lord Jesus. And I think when it comes to this issue of fear, what this name, the name of Jesus provides for them is a sense of a new identity that is based on Jesus who is risen. A source of healing, a salvation, of confidence in who they are. They know that God loves them and the name of Jesus covers everything that they do. Jesus is the cornerstone of their fearlessness in verse 11. He is the cornerstone of their faith. 
so they know that they have a new identity in him which is not to be taken away by anything that anyone can do. Thirdly, I think they are sustained in their fearlessness by which you might call the living presence of Jesus with them, not just a thought or a memory, but Christ is with them. And that's, as we've seen, that's the theme of Acts itself. In verse 13, I love this bit where, where people see, oh, these guys are really bold, these um, unschooled fishermen, but they took note that they had been with Jesus. That's a great thing. If people were like, oh, these, these are Jesus' people, we can tell, because they behave the way he did. And so they, the pre, Jesus is actually present with and through these men. And so they have his fearlessness and his connection to God that provides um, something that does away. There's no fear of isolation. There's no fear that God is going to let them uh, fall into something, into some uh, situation that they can't handle. Uh, you know, it's the power of having a friend in one sense. Jesus is with them. He's got their back. They know that he's there. And they know that what he did and they know what uh, God did through him. So the living presence of Christ actually provides a basis for fearlessness for them. Another thing is their understanding about the universe in which they live or their faith in God as their creator. And they refer to this in their sermon, uh, verses 24 to 25, if you read on in the chapter. Peter says, we know that God is our creator and he has sovereign purposes for this world which cannot be undone. He, he is above all other gods. Okay, So God is actually the power over all other powers. So there's nothing in the universe that can essentially derail the purpose that God has given them. They're not in this war where it's, not un it's unclear who's going to win and we could be afraid of that. They say God is God. He is our creator. He is the Lord over all other lords and Jesus is the Lord over all other powers. And so they're assured that they're grounded in reality. There is an underlying meaning to their life. Okay? So why do they need to be afraid? And in, uh, fourthly, yes, they are experiencing the filling of the Holy Spirit, which seems to express itself in, for them as a direct sense of energy and purpose in the moment given to them by God. Transforming their behaviour, their responses and their capacities within the time and allowing them to, just to respond to what happens in the moment. Go with the flow, go with the Spirit, instead of actually trying to control events and to make, make, make things turn out by thinking about it carefully and weighing results anxiously. And so this is, this is echoing, you know, and so Peter is confident, I'm just going to be able to get up and speak to the council and say what's on my mind and God will tell me what to say and it will be okay. The Spirit will fill me. Uh, this, this echoes Jesus' promise to them in the gospel. And so in Luke chapter 12, verse 11 to 12, he says, When you are brought before synagogues, rulers and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what you should say. No fear of public speaking. The Holy Spirit will tell you what to say. I haven't tried that yet. I still have my notes. One day I will get up here and let that happen. It'll be a great day. So the Holy Spirit is filling them and they know that in the moment they will have from God the power to do what he wants them to do in that moment. And finally, they are supported by the community of believers. And so we see in the rest of the story, they go back and they, and they are encouraged by the fact that, it, that they have solidarity and community and sharing encouragement with other Christian people who are also filled with the Spirit. And that provides them an alternative to the fearful world that they live in. They can see what God can do. And so I think all of these foundations of fearlessness, there's six, not five, okay, um, they add up to a recipe for bold, 
um, and joyful living. And that's what we see here. So there's a big picture that's changed their whole attitude to life, undone fear itself. And so I think in application for us, I'd like to think about what does it uh, mean uh, to follow this example? And I think it's, it's the truth is to be a Christian means that we do need to grapple with our experience of fear. It's a spiritual matter and something that um, yeah, will come upon us in various ways. You know, and all of us suffer from fear. It's inevitable and it shapes our life in so many ways, what we're afraid of. And, of course, as I said, fear in proper bounds, it's a healthy response to life. It's a helpful thing to be cautious and careful and to understand the risks that we go through. It's not bad to know that or to even feel it. But the fact is we know that fear can sometimes become the dominant force in our life and it enslaves us, actually, to its demands and we live from fear rather than from any other thing and we live... Uh, in response to avoidance of fear. And so what the Gospels and the Apostles are talking about is that Jesus has actually confronted the basis for that enslavement of fear, which is a spiritual one. So, for instance, in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 14 to 15, it says, Since the children have flesh and blood, he too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of death that is, the devil, and free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. There is a power of fear that holds the human race under its control. It's rooted in the power of death over us. And so we are invited as Christians to confront that fear and to confront the underlying reality of fear. Now, I know, and I must be careful to say, I know that fear and anxiety is a very complicated matter. And I'm not advocating that you just stop fearing, and that's a simple thing to do. And if you do have chronic anxiety, debilitating fear, fear, it's something that can be professionally and medically helped. And I think that's important to acknowledge that. Um, this This is not a simple matter. Christians still get afraid. It's okay to be afraid. We don't have to suppress our fear or anxiety or pretend we're not afraid or deny that it happens or feel guilty if we feel afraid. And we should never tell other people just not to be afraid because that doesn't work. But what we can do is reframe for ourselves in the midst of our fear the problem um, that is a spiritual matter as well as a psychological one and there are spiritual things that can help us confront it. Because our hope is, as the apostles found, Um, that there is a basis for us to move into an experience of the world that is not dominated by fear, but is dominated by God's spirit and his power and his hope. That it is possible for us to peacefully and confidently participate in the kingdom of God and move out from under the fearful oppression of the world and the enslavement of it. And so Jesus is given those resources to his people, the kind of the foundations of fearlessness uh, that can make that possible. So if we are afraid, it actually is a pointer to say, well, there's something that we are pointed to that should transcend that fear. It's actually compelling us to a new um, trust and reliance on God in the midst of our fear. So the question I would like us to ask ourselves today is what are the fears that we have? What are the fears that are shaping my life and yours? And if they are, what remedies do we need? What of these foundations are helpful for us today? The resurrection of Jesus, his power of his name, his presence, living presence with us now, the Holy Spirit filling us, or the community of believers, and our trust in God, our creator. All those things are remedies for fear. 
And it's, it's great to remember and to know, yes, we're going to be afraid, but in the deepest part of our being, we are always safe and always secure in God. That is the utmost reality of the Christian life. And it's possible for us as we go in, uh, move forward and go out to move into the boldness that the apostles had and start to experience that. And Jesus left a word to his apostles of his active presence that will help them overcome fear. And it's a word, I think, of comfort and encouragement for us today. So in, Luke, in John chapter 14, verses 25 to 27, he says to his disciples, All this I have spoken while still with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom, I, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So let's pray to experience that peace today. Lord Jesus, we acknowledge that in the midst of this world we are beset by fears of many kinds. We pray that you would help us through your Holy Spirit to confront the basis of our fears and to live in a new and liberated way. We pray for those whose lives are shaped by fear and anxiety and we pray for comfort and healing for them. We pray for all of us that we would be filled with the boldness that comes from you. And we pray that this would show itself in a way that allows us to transform the world around us by your spirit, your love, and your joy. In Jesus' name, amen.